my biggest source of insecurity has always been the product. But once we began delivering samples and, and prototypes and I was sleeping on it myself, I thought I remember waking up one morning and I said, oh, yeah, I can I can sell this. One of the reasons I picked fabrics, to be completely honest, was because I didn't want a product with Bluetooth components. I didn't want something with software engineers on staff. I wanted something that was fabric and elastic, and that's great gross oversimplification, but I wanted something that I knew I could bring to market in a fairly speedy way. You keep setting and hitting, and you start to, to be able to see into the future a little bit more. So now I'm you know, looking ahead at the next inflection point. Um, which will hopefully be a $30 million run rate. And so that's, that's what we're working on now. The Colorado community is, is literally the reason that this company exists. And we, you know, we try to give back as much as we can um, as a thank you. Welcome to the Proco 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs and leaders and sharing my conversations with them, with you. My guests have figured out how to build very successful businesses while being collaborative, enjoying all that Colorado has to offer and doing that with other talented people who are glad to be here as well. This episode is with Colin McIntosh, founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, a Colorado company selling sustainably sourced bedding made from eucalyptus. The company is growing really fast after their products were named best overall sheets, being featured on Good Morning America, having thousands of five-star reviews and big names like BuzzFeed saying they are obsessed with this product. Colin sent me a set to try it out. Yes, a great benefit of hosting Proco 360. And I concur, these are amazing. We've got lots to talk about. So Colin, glad we can connect via Zoom on Proco 360. Thanks, Dave. And that was a very warm intro. So I, I appreciate it. I feel like I don't need to mention the company again for the rest of the segment. <laughs> well, that would be a, the shortest episode on record. Yeah, right? So let's, yeah, yeah. So let's dive on in anyway. Uh, first, how did I describe the company and what really should we know about it? You described it to a T. And I, you know, I think that the, the interesting thing for me is always hearing stuff like that out loud is, um, it, it triggers my imposter syndrome a little bit and it makes me a little, a, a little tripped out to be completely honest of, you know, you, you get, you're so close to the company as a founder that you hear, you know, Hey, best sheets and good housekeeping and, you know, good morning America and Buzzfeed. And, you know, I think we're approaching a hundred thousand units shipped, uh, which we'll probably hit next month. Um, and it's just very, uh, we, I started the company three and a half years ago. So it feels, it feels very fresh still for me, but yeah. you, you nailed it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome uh, a little bit in, in one way or another. Uh, and, but first, before we go there, I mean, why, why sheets? Why did you get into the sheets business? You couldn't have grown up as a little boy, you know, like fascinated, <laughs> obsessed, mommy, daddy, when I grow up, I want to deal with sheets. I get this. I get this every day. Um, usually when I meet somebody like in an elevator or something, the ele my elevator <laughs> pitch is bizarre. What do you do for a living? I sell bed sheets. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically uh, the, the main thing for me was uh, there's, there's two pieces of this. One is the initial idea is super bizarre. I was watching a movie called war dogs with miles Teller and Jonah Hill, which you may have seen. And um, miles Teller's character is selling sheets out of the back of his pickup. And I got so frustrated with him because he hadn't done a full business model. He didn't have, um, <laughs> he didn't understand his pricing. He didn't understand his customer. And so 
I remember I told my ex-girlfriend at the time, she's my ex because I'm, this is who I am. I'm so neurotic. I said, you know what? Pause the movie. And I wrote a business model for a bedsheets company that night. And I always gravitate towards what's a good name for X and what's a good name for bedsheets company. Sheets and giggles. That's a funny name. So that was the inception. And then four months later, I got laid off from my, the startup that I was working at at 1 PM on a Monday. And that was pretty triggering for me emotionally because I had poured, you know, three years of my mid twenties into this thing. And I was so excited about the prospects of that company. So to get laid off so unceremoniously was really difficult. And so I sat down and I said, all right, well, I'm going to be CEO of my own company. And what do I want that company to look like? I wanted to be a massive commodities market. So I don't have to build a brand new marketplace. I want it to be something that's highly fragmented. So there's no market leader I have to chip away at. And I want something that's highly traditionally physical retail. So I could bring it online with a direct consumer model. I also wanted something with no brand differentiation or loyalty. So I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, um, taking people from other companies that are, that are a little stickier. And then I also wanted something that was, like I said, boring and flat so I could zig wherever, where everybody else is zagging. And I looked at all the domains that I own is a true story. And because of that night in June, I own sheetsgiggles.com and I thought does betting fit my criteria and it fit it perfectly. And so, uh, yeah, $12 billion market growing 10% year over year, highly fragmented, um, and so I incorporated three weeks after I got laid off and I really was able to differentiate meaningfully around the brand voice and also around the sustainability of the eucalyptus Lyle cell, which is what we went with, um, for our product. And, um, that's, we've just never looked back since. Yeah. You, you know, the, um, was, was that, was that product eucalyptus, what Lyocell fabric, was that a real thing when you started the business? Did you repurpose an existing fabric? So, uh, yes. So in a sense, it was, it had existed for a couple decades at that point. And, but the, the hadn't caught on the home textiles market is basically two thirds polyester and then another third cotton. And then there's a sprinkling of other, you know, bamboo viscose and silk and linen and other things mixed into there, but really it's poly and cotton. And so, you know, the, the thing with me that I think I learned at my last company is that you can create a great new piece of technology, but if the behavioral change isn't there of the consumer, then you might as well have never invented it. And so what Sheets and Giggles really has done is popularize the material in the U.S. Um, and that's been, I think, a big behavioral change. And now it's built up to a category on Amazon where they have, um, you know, Amazon now ranks the, they have like articles about the best eucalyptus sheets and where their choice. And, you know, we've, we've really created a category that hmm. I hope will be as big as bamboo, if not bigger one day. Well, that, that kind of, in a way, it kind of sucks. I mean, don't you want to be the only eucalyptus sheet? Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, at the same time, uh, I've got a, I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more of an abundance mindset, I think with the, just with the economy and with industry in general. And, you know, there's 400 million bedrooms in the U S um, we've, you know, we've had all this success so far selling under a hundred thousand units. Um, so we're still just on the very beginning of the come up um, when you think about it. And so, I, I actually like it when a competitor introduces eucalyptus sheets. I want Brooklinen, Bowen Branch, uh, you know, Casper, Purple. I, I want all these people to introduce the, the category to their customers because what are they going to do? They're going to search it on Google. They're going to search mm-hmm. it on Amazon. Yeah. And who are they going to find? They're going to find Sheets and Giggles because we're the de facto huh. brand in the space. So Yeah. Well, by the way, uh, thank you for sending me that set because I yeah. love them. I woke up thinking that I love them. I, I, As I got out of bed, I sort of longingly turned around and thought, I want to get back. <laughs> I want to get back in. It was really, they're great. So, now, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I, I'm glad you said that because I remember when I was starting the company. So I'm, I'm not a textiles expert, right? Well, I am much more so now than three and a half years ago. And so I had to hire mentors and contractors and, and brokers and people to help me and educate me on this. And so my, my biggest source of insecurity has always been the product. But once we began delivering samples and, and prototypes and I was sleeping on it myself, I thought, I remember waking up one morning and I said, Oh yeah, I can, I can sell this. Like, I remember just thinking like, this is fantastic. I, I wake up every morning. I do little bed angels. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally obsessed with it too. Well, and, yeah. and in fact, here, I want to make sure that I get this yeah, shot it is. on, uh, That's yeah. The bag. So, yeah. And let me see if yeah. I get the whole thing. Cause you I want to make sure. Yeah, there it goes. So, um, yeah, it's a nice product that it comes in. And, and that makes me think of the, you know, the idea that you're selling a, a super comfortable sheet. You're also selling environmental sustainability. And mm -hmm. when you think of your perfect customer, you know, if there is there a continuum between I want something on one side that's super comfortable versus I want something on the other side, which is super sustainable, or is this some weird combination? It's a great, it's the best combination. That's the thing is I, I actually, from day one, I said, we cannot make a sustainable product if it's worse than what the unsustainable options are. And, and so to, for those that don't know, you know, polyester is obviously unsustainable because it's made out of petrochemicals. It sheds hundreds of millions of microplastic fibers per sheet set into our waterways each year. Um, it's, a, it's a really disastrous product for our environment, but it's cheap as heck to make. You can make a full set of polyester sheets manufacturing costs for about three bucks. It's crazy. Mm. Um, and, and now, and then cotton on the other side is uh, sort of a traditional, I'd call it a legacy product almost in the industry. Um, and it is uh, it, because of how, how much arable land is used for cotton, about 125th of the world's arable farmland is used just for cotton. Mm. Um, it, the price of it has dropped so dramatically because of the competition in the industry uh, but the, one of the biggest drawbacks of it is the water usage. So a single cotton bed sheet can use 4,000 liters of water. And then in my opinion, more importantly, the insecticide usage, cotton uses anywhere from 16 to 20% of the world's insecticides on any given year. And including neonicotinoids, which are what actually are killing the bird and bee populations that we keep hearing about. So, you know, I think that that messaging was powerful in the beginning. It always has been for me. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure that the product was better softer, more breathable, more cooling, more moisture wicking, you know, hypoallergenic, zero static, you can go on and on with it. Because I and this is going to sound bad, I believe that Americans are just kind of inherently selfish consumers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. They, you know, market demand drives improvement in the marketplace. But I knew that if you delivered a product that was suboptimal, it, it wouldn't catch yeah, on no yeah. matter how sustainable it was. You know, it seems to me that in in many cases for many products, at least those sold in the United States, that, that there's an increasing number of people who buy because of sustainability. I still think the vast majority will buy a product they really want, really value, and sustainability is like a super added bonus. Cherry on top, bingo. Yeah. So, so for me, we've always led with it's softer, it's cooler, it's temperature regulating, and yeah. It's sustainable. And yeah. we've always, we've always closed with that because you're, you're exactly right. I think that if you lead with sustainability, there's like a, a suspicious trigger that goes off in somebody's head of like, well, is this not as good is, and it might be yeah. the nineties yeah. kid in me. I think, huh. I think about the tooth, the toothpaste, and all that stuff. but yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it probably wouldn't help 
to be sustainable if you were selling sheets made of burlap. So, uh, well, hemp is a great example. Hemp is incredibly sustainable fabric, but even blends of hemp with biocell or, or cotton or, or anything. They, yeah, they just they, don't um, work as well, huh? They're, they're rough. They're just so yeah, rough. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's switch switch uh, directions a little bit. Let's talk about this sales trajectory, which is amazing. You know, you you mentioned a little bit. Outline your your growth trajectory first. Just tell us what that looks like. Well, I, I mean, yesterday, yesterday was a, I mean, was one of our biggest days that we've had in a while. <laughs> I was just excited. Uh, anyway, so uh, it's take you through timeline. We'd launched the company in May 2018 on Indiegogo, um, and we crowdfunded the camp the company to life with pre-orders. How then much money we, did that? How much money was it that? Two hundred eighty-four thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah. Uh, which actually was it was the biggest Indiegogo ever for for betting at the time, mm. which is a funny funny qualifier, right? Biggest ever for betting. <laughs> but there were, I was there just were, thinking <laughs> that. Yeah, that's funny qualifier. Kind of, I know you could have you yeah. could have any qualifier for anything. But right. That, I guess right. go ahead. Okay, keep going. But, but no, but but there were two other betting companies that launched the same day, actually. Ah, yeah. And and so uh, one made fifteen, one made fifty, and then we made about three hundred. So it was mm. it was a real testament to the to the brand. Um. And then we uh, did pre-orders for a few months. We shipped in Q4 2018. That's when we first began shipping our first boxes. And then January, Q1 2019, we were doing $50,000, $60,000 a month. Um, and then uh, two years after shipping our first box in November 2020, we had our first $1 million month. Hmm. And then we did it again in January of this year. So it's, it basically it was standing still to a $1 million in a month in about two years and then, um, you know, this year we're we're already approaching last year's total sales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, is this crazy. is so. I want to ask you first. I want to thank our sponsors, and I'm going to come back and ask you about inflection points and what caused those. You're listening to Proco 360, named best Denver podcast three years running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Colin McIntosh, founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, Microstar Keg Logistics, and Via Technologies. And uh, a special shout out to Via Technologies. I had to move the Proco 360 website from one of those big name hosting companies that kept yanking me around, and my friends at Via did it for me quickly. So thanks to them. Uh, also find all sponsors at the sponsors page at proco360.com. All of them support Colorado business and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Hey, thanks too to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for support for me and Proco 360. And getting back to Colin now, you, you talked about this tremendous and fast growth. Were there inflection points, things that triggered those big bumps, or was it a smooth thing, Colin? Uh, it's, it has not been, it's been, I, I don't know, I guess quarter by quarter, it's been pretty, pretty linear. Yeah. So I think, so there's two answers to that. Some months we've seen nosedives, you know, because you're out of inventory and you're trying to catch up and then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then other months, you know, you, you have a big piece of press or you have something else that comes out that really gives a big spike. But, um, you know, overall, when you look at quarter by quarter, it's been pretty linear. Um, like Q1, for example, of each year, Q1, 2018 or sorry q1 2019 we did two two hundred thousand. q1 2020 we did 750 and then q1 of this year we did over 2.2 million so mm. so you know it's exciting to to see that real big trajectory yeah. but um yeah there in terms of inflection points i i like to think about them in terms of like 
success or failure inflection points. A lot of times I'm a very binary guy where are you, are you doing something that's going to lead to success? Or are you doing something that's going to lead to failure? And so, uh, you know, early on, the first inflection point was, can we gather emails from people who are going to be excited about the crowdfunding campaign? And then if so, at what cost per lead and at what conversion do we think is reasonable? And what will that look like from a CAC perspective? Um, the next inflection point was, can we ship on time? The inflection point after that was, can we hit $100,000 in a month? And then it was, you know, and you, you start setting these goals where, where you know, that, okay, now we're going to raise a little bit of money. And we raised, you know, $1.5 million seed round with the explicit goal of getting to a, a eight-figure run rate. And now we've done that. And so then, you know, you keep, you keep setting and hitting and you start to, to be able to see into the future a little bit more. So now I'm, you know, looking ahead at the next inflection point, um, which will hopefully be a, a $30 million run rate. And so that's, that's what yeah. we're working on now. So how did that first sheet come into being? I mean, you had a cute name, but at some point you had to actually start with a product. So where did that first one come from? So uh, there's, so basically there is a meeting in New York city uh, twice a year in March and September called home, home textiles market week. And so I, I hired some folks to introduce me to a few different manufacturers that week. I flew out to New York. I sat down. I met with them. I described what I needed. I honestly had to uh, play myself up a little bit because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I had to say, yeah, I'm coming from the startup background. I didn't tell them I got laid off on a Monday. Like I had to tell the startup <laughs> background. I'm moving into my new company and, and here's what we're thinking. And, you know, we negotiated prices with a few different people. We learned about their their facilities, their factories. We only met with people who had the capability to do eucalyptus lyle cell, which is really only a handful of folks. And we found a couple flagship partners that we that we launched with. But to launch with them, we actually had to guarantee a $250,000 purchase order. I didn't have $250,000. And so uh, basically to get them to begin working on it, we, I didn't commit to it until we actually had the first week of sales of the crowdfunding campaign. And I felt confident that we were actually going to be able to commit to this. But basically uh, the packaging, the product design, every little piece of the nitty gritty, that's, that's to me. And then one of the reasons I picked fabrics, to be completely honest, was because I didn't want a product with Bluetooth components. I didn't want something with software engineers on staff. I wanted something that was fabric and elastic, and that's great, gross oversimplification, but I wanted something that I knew I could bring to market in a fairly speedy way. And so um, that's one of the reasons we did it. But yeah, it was really uh, meeting with the manufacturers and then working hand in hand with yeah. them, f flying out to India and getting it all done. Yeah. So, you know, you, it's interesting that you, we, we've got this fast growing uh, fabric company based in Colorado, you know, it was, you know, how did, you know, wouldn't you have had an easier time on one of the coasts or does it not matter? Or was, did Colorado help? Hey, Colorado help? Oh yeah, of course. I, I, you know, I was going to say fabrics companies in Colorado. Uh, I've got friends over at um, Western rise and Shinesty um, who have been good mentors to me and Shinesty specifically uh, Chris and Jen, shout out to those guys. And now Laura, their COO, who's my former boss, um, when I started the company, I, I reached out to them and I said, Hey guys, you, you got no reason to you know, help me or anything, but I'm looking for some mentorship and hmm. everybody here is so helpful. They said, yeah, come on out. We'll get a beer and we'll, we'll talk to you about it. And we, and we chatted about it. They sent me in the right direction to help me hire my first advisors and, and get some mentors wow. in the space. And then further, when I started shipping, I didn't know who to reach out to at that point. So I reached out to them and I said, what would you guys recommend for warehousing? And they said, well, we've got a warehouse off I-25 and 215. We got a thousand extra square feet. You want to rent it from us? 
And so I actually literally was shipping my first boxes out of Shinesty's warehouse in Denver. So the Colorado community, everything from that to Denver Startup Week, which I, I won first place in in 2018, to Techstars Boulder, which we went through in Q1 2019, to the mentors that I made from Techstars 2015 that have become investors in the company and, and continue to be my mentors. I, I could go on, but the mm. Colorado community is is literally the reason that this company exists. And we, you know, we try to give back as much as we can um, as a thank you. Wow. Well, you know, I want to, you mentioned earlier uh, this notion of imposter syndrome and uh, <laughs> you know, having been a CEO of a startup, uh, I, I can relate to that. I want to play a clip uh, from the book, the hard thing about hard things and get your take on it. I love this book. I've actually got a funny story about imposter syndrome too. Um, Fire away. Oh, so sure. Well, so so basically, uh, I was actually asked to be on a panel about imposter syndrome, which to me was the most ironic thing in the world. Can you get in front of <laughs> a thousand people at Home Advisor and talk about your imposter syndrome? And, and funny enough, the guy sitting to the left of me um, was one of the co-founders of Craftsy. Uh, sure. and, 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 um, and so I, you know, he went, when it kicked off, it said, what does imposter syndrome mean to you? And he gave this very lovely, eloquent answer. And they get to me and I said, imposter syndrome to me is me sitting up here next to this guy in front of all you people. And that, and, and that got a big, big laugh and kicked off the panel on a good, a good note. But yeah, it's, it's interesting when they, they ask you to come talk about it. Oh, but, for sure. Well, let yeah. me see if I can get this clip to play. Building a multifaceted human organization to compete and win in a dynamic, highly competitive market turns out to be really hard. If CEOs were graded on a curve, the mean on the test would be 22 out of 100. This kind of mean can be psychologically challenging for a straight-A student. It is particularly challenging because nobody tells you that the mean is 22. Would your attitude about the problems you face have been different had you considered that every startup CEO scores a failing grade? I mean, essentially, <laughs> CEOs succeed despite that. Yes. Well, so actually, I, I think a version of that popped up in the very beginning of this company in terms of just the goals that I had for it. I never, ever pitched Sheets and Giggles to be a billion dollar company. I never once told an investor, hey, here's the, the nine figure exit you can expect. Here's the, <laughs> here's the trajectory. I always pitched it as, hey, I think that this company is going to be a good, profitable, you know, multi tens of millions of dollars a year company in a big space that has the potential to exist for a very long time and great, give you a great return. Um, does that excite you? And, and I did that because I asked myself some pretty honest, hard questions about this is your first company. Do you honestly believe that as a 27 year old first time founder that you are going to be able to build a billion dollar company? And I think that it would be hubristic to say yes. And so I've always kept myself in check and while I've got a big ambition and, and I, you know, I've moved cross country for success. I've, you know, started a company. I've, I've done all these different things that clearly I've got more ambition than an average, the average guy, I guess. I've still had to keep that ambition in check by asking myself these honest questions. And so would I have started a company again and that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. But, but would I have, um, and I think that the philosophy that I had, was kind of a version of that, of that like realistic expectation. Um, 
probably would have been kinder to myself though if I had known that. I you, you always think that everybody else has it figured out and you don't. Yeah, and that's just for not, sure. really, not really the case. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, especially one of the things early on that you had to figure it out. I mean, you you mentioned to me in a prior conversation that you had to accept the fact that you were shipping a product before perhaps it was 100% perfect. Uh, <laughs> is that, you know, do you, do you still believe that? Yeah, yeah, we on our first 10,000 units, we had like a 6% defect rate. Oh, sucked. Yeah, I know. We had, we had, um, 30% fabric rejections in our initial, initial batch. Um, you know, it was, it, it was just, we were learning along with our manufacturing partners because we actually very quickly became the, the largest account for, for this material. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was a learning experience because really with us and the technicians and other people that are working on the product, um, it's, you just have to be comfortable with, with an 80, 20, you know, MVP. And so we made some really stupid mistakes, uh, everything down from, um, fiber selection to, um, you know, we, we sewed our first top sheets with a really defective design, um, that was, you know, a single stitch design instead of a double stitch. And so if it unraveled, if it, if it cut in one place, the whole thing went. And, and that was the biggest defect that we had initially. Um, and you know, what we did was we just had to obviously replace those units and, and refund people and, and apologize and, and keep that good brand equity. Um, and then on the other end of it, on a smaller thing that ended up being quite impactful, I really wanted like that beautiful Apple-esque white packaging and uh, for a direct consumer product that you're shipping through the mail of FedEx, ha, ha, ha. Uh, that's a huge mistake uh, because they <laughs> they have they have they don't care how beautiful your packaging is. So now we've got the purple the purple box, yeah, and yeah. so that way we can slap a label right on it. But yeah, it's that was a nightmare. Um, oh, how funny. But yeah, it, overall, you just got to be comfortable making mistakes and and knowing which ones you can live with and which ones you know are yeah, but, are company unders. Yeah, but you know the the thing I always wonder about is where that perfect balances because as you're launching a company, yeah, you're launching a company, you've got almost, I mean, you've got thousands of five-star reviews. If you were averaging those against five, five, you know, thousands of people who thought it sucked because the packaging was just looked awful or the sewing, the stitching came out, what a hard way to start, right? So how do you You, figure that? So you can build around it too. Like you can, you can say, okay, well, we're, we're getting reports of boxes being beat up in the mail. So what do we do? We lean into it. We put it on the product page. We say, by the way, we ship via FedEx and UPS. And while the box looks beautiful in the, in the warehouse, just understand that it may, it may look like this when it shows up. And then we show a picture of just like one of the pictures we got from a customer where it's just beat the hell. But we say, but that's why we wrap it with our knapsack. That, and, we do, and we say, and we use zero plastic packaging in order to save on the environment. So we're not putting it inside of a, a poly sheet wow. and, and we, and you lean into it and then people almost, it becomes like a badge of honor. They get it in the mail and the boxes beat the hell. And then they send you a picture in a good mood saying the sheets made it intact. Like, you know, like, but, but, you know, great job on the product and, and thank you for not using an extra corrugated box. And, and then, um, you know, on the, on the defect side, we, we just put on the reviews page, we said, it was a sentence that said, please leave your thoughts below. And if you have a problem with your product or a defect, just email us and we'll, we'll take care of it for you. And so we were heading people off at the pass. And, and then from a, from a very tactical standpoint, I sat down with my customer service team and broke down our variable cost model. And I said, this is how you as our customer care team impact the company on a dollars and cents level. And I made them understand that every interaction they have impacts 
our review score, our conversion, our cost of acquisition, our repeat buy rate, our refund rate. And because of that, we have an extremely goal-oriented customer service team that knows that one bad review saved is worth the refund. It's worth the Amazon gift card that we send to people as an apology. It's worth the you know extra stuff that we do on top of everything else. And um, you know, I was picking up the phone at two in the morning in the beginning of the company. I had it by my bedside on Ring because I figured if somebody was calling a bedsheets company at two a.m., they had something important to talk about. And and you know that type of obsessiveness was what really. Um, got us around the curve in the beginning while we were figuring out these bugs. Cool. You're listening to Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Colin McIntosh, founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app when you finish this episode. I want to switch gears, Colin. You have had some incredible press and coverage, mm-hmm. right? You've been on Good Morning America. How, how did that happen? Well, that was, so the GMA thing was actually awesome on a number of levels because we, uh, so last year in March when the pandemic was, was really coming down the pipe, we, our sales dropped 30%. Um, we had credit lines pulled for our inventory financing. We, um, had our, our factories completely shut down, uh, for 75 days. It was, it was a nightmare and, you know, global logistics is on fire. And I sat down with the team and the first thing I did was I said, I just want to tell you all right now, all your jobs are guaranteed. I'll figure out a way to make it work. I don't want you to focus on that. I don't want you to focus on your family's health care or your, your salary. I'm going to make it work. Secondarily, how can we make this work with all the problems that we're having? And what the team decided was, let's do something galvanizing for both ourselves and the community in this moment and donate 20% of our daily sales for 30 days to the Colorado COVID-19 Emergency Relief Fund. And it, it's not profit, right? Because everybody who says, oh, you know, I'll donate profit, you zero it out. It's all bullshit. And so we did 20% of our sales for 30 days. It ended up being, at that point in time, $40,000 in cash that we donated to the COVID-19 relief fund. And we didn't really publicize it that much. We wrote a blog about it. We, you know, and then Amazon, you know, they crawl around their partners' websites. They, they found the blog. They said, hey, this is amazing. And they were looking for good press last year, too. How were and, they? <laughs> and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so they wrote a blog post about us. Um, they, they had um, Jeff Wilkie, who is the former head of consumer, mention us on stage at their sellers conference last summer. And then their PR team um, got a conversation with Good Morning America. And they said, hey, we've got this small business called Sheets and Giggles that made a huge impact in their local community, even though they're a very small company. And GMA loved the story. They called me. They talked to me. And after about a month of evaluation, they said, hey, we, we want you to be our small business spotlight for our Black Friday feature. And so that was earned media on Black Friday based on our, our philanthropic decision. And then after that, um, Tori Johnson's team, who runs the Steals and Deals, she they saw that segment. So then they reached out to us and they said, hey, we do the Steals and Deals things. The audience is already familiar with you. Would you like to maybe do a deal with us? And so that's what led to the big sales day in January and the second appearance. Wow. Yeah. And 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 I can't share what we're doing next, but now we're going on a, a bigger program uh, in about a month. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Well, by the time this comes out, maybe people will know. So you can maybe. say nah, but it would be uh, no, uh, no I, you better I, not. <laughs> I know you can't do that, but you must expect a big bump in sales when that happens. How do you forecast inventory? 
you know, around that kind of thing. If you find a company that can accurately do inventory <laughs> forecasting for consumer brands, invest in that company because that is a multi-billion dollar company. Like there, I, I talk to every single, I, I have a support groups of all sorts of consumer CEOs and, you know, every single person I talk to, what's your biggest pain point? Forecasting, forecasting, inventory. Sure. And, and so, you know, we've got, we only have five categories, right? But we, but we have, you know, over 200 SKUs because of size and color combinations. Sure. But and I mean, so, you're way better yeah. off than a company that's selling clothing. I mean, you've got, Oh my you, God. Apparel. You know? Yeah. Oh God. So, yeah. You know, yeah. and if a color doesn't sell, you could discount it a little bit. I mean, but, but mm-hmm. still you, you, you don't want to have a ton of inventory hit, sitting around. So yeah. Well, you're sitting on cash. If you, if you miss, yeah. you're sitting on cash. And yeah. so, you know, we, you, you try to keep 30 to 60 days of inventory on hand and, you know, have those tight turns yeah. uh, for optimal cash flow management. And so it, the, the long answer shortened is um, it's a lot of art and a little bit of science. And so, you know, you basically will say, all right, well, what was Q4 last year in relation to Q1? All right. What mm-hmm. do we think it's going to be this year? Yeah. Why? And then, yeah. and then you'd, you'd honestly rather miss on the low end in the sense of selling out is always a better problem to have than having half or half a million dollars of extra inventory on hand sure. that you, you finance. So yeah. 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 Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm going to move into sort of a wrap up phase here, Colin. And uh, you had mentioned, I was going to ask you for about Colorado companies that you admire. You'd already mentioned Shinesty and, uh, and you know, what are, what are one or two specific examples of other Colorado companies that you find inspiring? I, so I've got a I've got a bunch. Um, my my friend Vanessa and Will are our CEO and CFO of uh, Atomos, which is a, a rocket company that went through TechStars. They make nuclear powered spacecraft. Wow! To, yeah, they, they so they so they went through the program with me, and it's funny because um, I actually told Natty Zola, the formerly the managing director of TechStars Boulder, I said, "Do not put me on after Atomos because if she gets up there <laughs> and she talks about space and this lofty stuff." I said, I'm going to get up there and talk. And you know what he did? He did exactly that. He said, it'll be funny if we lean into it. So, I, oh. so she did, gave her pitch. And then I got up there and I said, these are bed sheets. And that, and that was like the opening <laughs> of, my, of my pitch. And it, and it worked perfectly. It was a very, it was a super fun pitch in the Boulder theater. But so that Atomos is one that I really admire. The problems they're working on are really big, and and I and I greatly admire that. And and I always you know think about how small the problem I'm working on is a comparison. And then um, and then I really admire uh, my friend Jackie who has a company called Pepper. Uh, it's a bra company, bras for uh, small-breasted women. Um, and it's like a, it's very much a, an empowering brand about you know kind of. Uh, not succumbing to the more traditional uh, stereotypes around around female body types, and um, Jackie's the best brand marketer I've ever met in my entire life, and she's a total killer as CEO. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of a few other ones. To give a shout out to my buddy Epic Water Filters in Boulder, um, totally bootstrap company doing tons of business every month with with really great water filters, hmm. um, and obviously Shinus DIO those guys a lot. Yeah, you directed me to their website. It's super cool, and I'm hoping to get to meet them and and uh, have them have them on the podcast as well. So, has Colorado impacted your life beyond sheets and giggles? Tremendously, yeah. So, um, right now I'm in my home, obviously my bedroom. I just bought this place a month ago. It's in Wheat Ridge. Um, so, in terms of, I moved here six years ago for TechStars, and I thought it would be a one year 
temporary move and now I'm a I'm a wheat Ridgian. So now you know <laughs> now I live out here in Colorado and I've met um a wonderful partner that I think, you know, is is the person I'll spend my life with. And um yeah, it, it it's dramatically impacted my life and and so uh, I can only say great things about Colorado. Yeah. I miss the water. I'm from Florida. I miss the water. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So but besides sleeping in sheets and giggles bedding, what's your favorite Colorado thing to do? Uh, I love uh, going camping. I, I never got the opportunity when I was a kid to go camping because in Florida, it's a terrible decision. Uh, <laughs> mosquitoes and alligators and rain. And then so that's my favorite thing to do in Colorado. That's cool. Do you put uh, you put your product in your tent? I do. Yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I tra- yeah, I travel. So I get my pillow case for my pillow and then I've got uh, I bring my comforter with me. And so then I, nice. instead of sleeping on the sleeping bag and the air stuff, I have my comforter that I wrap myself up in. It's great. Well, no wonder you like sleep, uh, like camping yeah. in Colorado. So yeah. last question, what do you find most fulfilling is sort of like the next chapter for sheets and giggles? Uh, so I think we're going to do something pretty crazy and come out with a sustainable mattress suite in 2022, uh, which I'm, we're in prototyping now. And really what I'm thinking about sheets and giggles now is, we really crushed the opening salvo, I guess you could say of like the, the, you know, the sheets and the comforters and the duvet covers. And we built a really great brand with, you know, tens of thousands of people who, who really trust us and like us. Um, and so from there, I think you can build what, what's called like a master brand. So more of a category brand where people come to shop for sustainable home goods and, you know, so we're, we're looking further into the bedroom as the next step. And then from there, uh, you can make all sorts of things sustainably out of eucalyptus towels and bath mats and drapes and sure. curtains. And so we're, we're even rugs. And so we're, we're going to become, I think a more sustainable master brand in the near future for the master bedroom. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah good one. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so let's wrap up on that note. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Colin McIntosh, founder and CEO of sheets and giggles. Thanks. Colin. What a fun conversation. Well, I hope it was fun, and thanks for having me on. I was real flattered that you asked me to be on here, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, a couple people now know about Sheets and Giggles, and if there's anyone out there that's listening that I can help with anything, feel free to reach out. Well, thank you for that offer, and, and I think, you know, you've demonstrated sort of the spirit of collaboration that Colorado entrepreneurship is known for. I give first spirit, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. what I'm all about now. Cool. Listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Cake Logistics, Via Technologies, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.